All right, turning your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1, y'all got to listen a little closer than usual because um, my annual pollen collection has started around my vocal cords, but it'll be all right. Um, somebody said I had a good voice for radio and a better face for radio, so uh, uh, I don't have a voice for radio tonight, Amen. I want you all to pray about going down to Atlanta with us on the April 20th at 11 a.m. We're going to do a stand-in at the Olympic Park. Brother David Young is uh, coordinating this, and the lieutenant governor is going to speak, and several senators and um, several representatives are going to be there, and they're looking for thousands of people to stand. I want to tell you what politicians do. They look at numbers. <clears throat> we shouldn't count numbers as Baptist Church, but they look at numbers because they know it's voting, so uh, they, look, they put a lot of pressure on them uh, from the churches when they gather and speak up for the unborn and for lips, uh, religious liberty, uh, where they can't tax us and try to, try to um, control us, and so it's a real blessing. Uh, the Living Infant Fairness and Equality Act uh, passed the Senate <clears throat> and uh, we prayed last Wednesday that it would pass the Senate because some of my Republican friends were wavering, but our Senator Chuck Payne gave a stirring speech with tears, and then he read a poem of, that he wrote the night before his daughter was born, and it helped. And they had to go eight hours debate to save these babies in the womb. Let me give you a little logic. When your heart stops, it's called what? Death. And why in the world cannot grown men realize that when you detect a heartbeat, there's life. There's life. By the way, there's life before they detect that heartbeat. There's life at conception. I can prove it in Scripture. Jeremiah was uh, called to ordained in the womb. Jesus was in the womb. He never ceased to be, so he was alive the moment he was in that womb. Amen? And so life begins at conception. Don't ever let any politician sway you into thinking that that's not true. That's heresy. That's a slap in God's face. I believe abortion is as bad as same-sex marriage. I believe it's as bad as uh, men with men and women with women. That's abomination, the Bible says. And so, uh, God help you if you can vote for anybody that would vote to kill babies. God help you. You can get right with God. I'm telling you the truth. And I want to tell you something. Now that it's passed, uh, there's lawsuits coming up. They're actually, a certain party is actually suing uh, the government of Georgia saying that they cannot say that life begins with a heartbeat. There'll be thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars that lawyers will earn to fight that case. Sad day we live in, but I want to tell you something, it's a happy day too, because I believe the Lord's coming soon, and boy is He hot. Amen. I believe He could come any minute, especially the way our government is run, and the way people vote on life. Everybody was applauding the Methodist Church for voting not to have same-sex marriage. I'm going to tell you what I'd do. I'd leave any church that'd vote on it. We don't vote on the Bible. We don't vote on what's right. We know what's right. Amen. The Word of God. And folks, just to vote on it's an insult. 
And it was very close. If it hadn't been for the African Methodists coming over, uh, it would have passed. They would have had same-sex marriages and transgender pastors. That's wicked. That's wicked. And so I'm just telling you, our world's in a mess, and it's all because of sin. That's what I want to deal with tonight, how you can walk with God, how you can have fellowship with God. There's six verses, maybe seven in the, in the book of 1 John, to tell you if you're saved or not. It says, born of God. And I want you to know, friend, that if you're born of God, uh, it doesn't matter what you prayed, because I believe when I went to the altar as an 11-year-old boy, um, I don't know if I was counseled too good. I don't know if our church knew how to counsel. I don't know if they showed me the Bible. But I believe with all my heart I was under conviction from good Sunday school teaching and a godly mama and a godly grandmother praying for me. And I believe if I'd have died while I was walking down the aisle, I would have got saved. I mean, I would be in heaven. Why? Because the moment you believe and turn your life over to God, you're saved. The prayer is the evidence that you believe. Amen? So don't worry about what you said or how long you said it or if you prayed through. It's just the main thing is, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? And folks, a lot of people can't believe, can't remember the date. You're in a mess. You know, if you, if you think it's date that saves you, it's not date, it's, it's Jesus saved you. Um, some people can't remember the prayer. I can't remember the prayer. I really can't. I don't know what I prayed. As a matter of fact, I can't remember two, two years ago. So, God, I can't remember 55 years ago or whatever it was. 1964, y'all figure it out, amen? I, I'm, I'm not that old, but I look it. But I want you to know that uh, God saves us and the evidence of being saved. You want to really know you're saved. Did your life change? Is there fruit in your life? That's the bottom line. One person told me, and sitting in my study one time, says, you've got to tell me if I'm saved or not. I said, listen, if you don't know, I sure don't know. You've got to go back to the time, make sure you were sincere, make sure you were responding to conviction from the Word of God, and did your life change? Now, when I was 11 and a half years old, I didn't rob banks, I didn't cuss. My mother would kill me if I cussed. I went by her grave site yesterday in uh, Grayson, Georgia. That place sure has grown in 62 years. I'm telling you what, I guess it ought to grow in 62 years, amen. And it's so ironic, my daddy and mama's grave is under a big old magnolia tree. And it was all those big old things. What are, what are those called? I don't know what they're called. I call them a nuisance. Because all my life, I had to clean them up. I had to pick them up before I'd cut grass. And my mother made me get over with a, a garbage can and pick up those crap. Magnolia trees are of the devil, and you know, and uh, I'm preaching now, amen, because I mean, my whole childhood exists of picking up magnolia buds, or whatever, block, I don't know, what, big old combs, yeah, uh, and Connie and I was sitting there picking them up off the grave site yesterday, and I just began to smile, and I said, mom, you're probably looking down from heaven saying, pick those things up, boy, and you ain't eating supper till you do it, amen, <laughs> and so I had a godly mother. I had a wonderful mother that put up with a lot of junk, but um, I thank God, God for the chance to go by the cemetery yesterday and just reminisce and thank God that they're both saved. My daddy missed hell by eight years. My daddy missed hell by eight years. A little boy that 
got saved at camp, missed it by eight hours. Randall Foy, I told you about. That's why I believe in camp so much. By the way, that little old chili supper raised over eight hundred. I mean, over six hundred eighty-five dollars. Amen. If some people threw in hundred-dollar bills, amen. That was the most expensive chili we ever sold in our life. Amen. But it was a blessing, and uh, that's going to pay for a lot of young people. Uh, it'll probably pay for half their tuition, and the church throws in some money, so it's a blessing. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to First John. I'm trying to get up the nerve to preach. Um, I thank God for the fellowship with the Father. But I want to tell you something, friend. It doesn't affect your sonship. You're saved, and God's not an ending giver, and He won't disown you. A good father will whip the daylights out of you, but He'll never disown you. Amen. He'll, he'll correct you. I think one of the most miserable places in the world is out of the will of God. Because number one, you know you, know you should be in the will of God. Number two is, it's dangerous to be out of the will of God. Because he'll whip you. For whom the Lord loveth, he scourged and chastened every son of him and receiveth. Amen. Thank God for a father that comes after us when we're in a prodigal state. We're having uh, something falling from the sky. Amen. Praise God. So we have fellowship with the father after we have sonship with the father. Six times, y'all, y'all find them yourself. The first one's in 1 John chapter 2, verse 29. It says, born of him. Look at 1 John 2, 29. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. You want to do right. You don't do right all the time. I'll deal with that in a minute. I don't believe there's a day goes by you don't sin. Probably every day you sin. Now you ought to sin less, but you won't be sinless. There's always a time where you're going to be in the flesh or not have faith, which is sin. But folks, the Bible says the fruit of not of being saved is born of him is to do right. That means you have somebody inside of you, and his name is the Holy Ghost, that says do right. Do right. You want to do right. You want to read your Bible for the first time in your life. You do want to go to church. I have problems with people that never darken the door of the church and say they're saved. Folks, they ought to have a want to and a desire to be in the house of God and hear the word of God. Look at First John, uh, just give you a few of them. 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. The Bible says, 1 John 3, 9, you with me? It says, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Now, folks, that throws a lot of people for a loop, but you don't realize what the word commit means. It means habitual. Abraham lied, but he wasn't a liar. Noah got drunk, but he wasn't a drunkard. Peter cussed, but he wasn't a cursor. A cusser, not a cursor, cusser. It was an exception, not a profession. I want to say this, I want to say it clearly. If your life is full of sin and you never get chastened for your sin, you're not saved. Because the Bible says, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For the seed remaineth in him, the Holy Ghost, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. When you yield to the Spirit of God, you will not sin. You yield to the flesh, you will sin. And all of us yield to the flesh. And so 1 John 3, 9, let me give you one more. Uh, 1 John 3, 14. It doesn't have the word born of God, but it explains born of God. 1 John 3, 14 says this, We know that we pass from death unto life. So when you're saved, you have a spiritual resurrection. When you're saved, it's actually passing from death unto life. John 5, 24, one of the greatest verses in the Bible on security 
or assurance of salvation. But the Bible says we know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. Amen. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. In other words, there's a new love in your heart. You especially love God's people. You especially love God's word. You especially love being around God's ministry. You just love it because the lover is living in you. His name is, again, the Holy Spirit. See, salvation is not some decision or signing a card or joining a church or some work. I heard somebody on the radio this morning uh, say how sad it was that a lot of people believe in work salvation and that you can never know you're saved completely even when you die. Now that's sad. And they said the reason you can't because somebody's got to work after your death and pay you out of purgatory or pray you out of purgatory or even be baptized for you while you're in purgatory. Now folks, that is a man-made heresy. I, I can't call it anything else. That's work salvation during life and work salvation after life. If they can't get the guy working, they're going to get the relatives working to get, you, to get you to pay for them to get out of purgatory. Talk about a fundraising program. But I don't think it's fun. I don't think it's funny. I think it's heresy. I think it's wicked. I think it's adding to the Word of God called works. Work salvation is the essence of every cult. It's also the essence of every dead religion that people think that your works can climb your way up to heaven when Jesus climbed his way down from heaven and died on a cross and said, it is finished. It's not do, 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 it's done. Amen, it's done. The finished work of the cross of Calvary saved you, not your works. If your works did save you, then you better pray somebody pays you out of purgatory, but there is no such place. The Bible says, And the rich man lifted up his eyes and in torment. The Bible says that he looked at the thief and said, Today will you be with me in paradise. Now why didn't he go to purgatory? He only got saved five minutes before he died. He should have been the very one to spend a little time in there and let somebody pay him out or pray him out. God help us to think that that would be true. And so I'm just saying this whole book, the whole Bible is on grace, but I want to tell you something. 1 John is full of grace. It's full of truth. And it's full of reality. If I could subtitle this study that we're having, is be real. Be real. You really want to walk with God, you've got to be real. And I want you to come to our text tonight. about And, and brother, we're going to have to go back to last week's, about three slides if you got it. Last week's good. He's on top of it. Amen. And I want you to see what a fellowship, what a joy divine. In First John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, he said he touched him. He heard him. He felt him. Look at it. He said they handled, he said, our hands have handled of the word of life. That means he touched Jesus. He's trying to set a precedence here. He's trying to get you excited about being in fellowship with Jesus having fellowship with Jesus. This is a miracle. You can walk with God. You can talk with God. You can feel God in your emotions. And I heard a great black preacher named Kenny Baldwin from Washington, D.C. He's going to come be with us in August, Lord willing, 
first black preacher we've had for awesome preaching August. It's about time, isn't it? Amen. And this guy was wild. I mean, but he preached a great message. You got to hear it on getting your heart together. He says your mind, your will, and your emotions go all different ways. But he says your heart should be united. And boy, it was a tremendous message out of Psalms 84. And I want to tell you something, friend. We need to get it together when it comes to our fellowship with the Lord. And we can touch Him. Now look at verse 3. It says, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that also may have fellowship with us. It's good to have fellowship with one another. I love y'all. I miss y'all when y'all not here. Uh, it shook me up when I thought that Brother Darrell was dying. He thought he was dying. It shook him up. And I want to tell you something, friend. Uh, I miss people when they leave this place. I was promoting the uh, men's prayer uh, retreat. Put up a picture. And there was Brother Wallace sitting in that circle. Brother Wallace. And I said, man, how I miss him. Then I come down the hall and our greeters weeping tears. Little tears streaming down Miss Opal's face. And she looked at me and said, Brother Wayne, it's been three years today. I said, what, Miss Opal? She said, three years today since my Wallace went home to heaven. Boy, she misses him. I miss him. And I, ne- I, I was just his pastor. I wasn't his mate. I wasn't, I wasn't next to him every day. But I want to tell you something, friend. One day we'll be together. One day we'll all be together. And I want to tell you something, friend. The Bible says we have fellowship with the Father. Look at this. It's these things right way to you that your joy may be full. No greater joy than knowing you're in fellowship with God. Look at verse 5. This is the text. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Listen to this now. He says, and we say that we have fellowship with him. I want you to underline in your Bible, if we say. That's the title of the message tonight, if we say. It says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk not in truth, listen now, if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But we walk in the light as He's in the light. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth's not in us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from how much? All unrighteousness. And then here's that phrase again. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His Word is not in us. Father, bless this message tonight. And thank you, dear God, for fellowship with the Father. And just as real as verse 1 through 3 is that that, uh, John touched Jesus and heard Jesus and and, and, the Lord saw Him with His very eyes, We can too through the Holy Spirit. We can have a relationship that's supernatural by the Holy Spirit of God. So Lord, help us tonight. Help us, dear Father, to never take for granted being able to fellowship with you. Lord, sometimes we take each other for granted. People die. We wish we had one more time, as Brother Randy's already prayed, to say hello and Go out to lunch and shake somebody's hand or hug somebody's neck, but they're gone. 
They're gone so suddenly. And Lord, we thank you for the miracles today. We thank you for God touching our brother Howard. And thank you, God, for touching those six lost little boys. And they got saved Sunday. Lord, we ought to be a rejoicing church tonight. I ain't got a voice to shout, but if I had one, I would. And I thank you, dear God, for the miracle of that good uh, bone scan that everything's fine with Connie. Lord, as we were concerned, but Lord, you're able. And we just thank you, God, for the fellowship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just go through this review real quick. Uh, I, I want you to see it, and I want you to understand that um, the eternal Word of God came to this earth. John touched Him. So what a fellowship we have. Going through it, brother, real quick. I want you to see, second of all, is that um, we walk, the walk can be severed. In verse 5 and 6, it says, Then is the message which we have heard of Him, uh, and declaring to you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. John tells us our fellowship can be interrupted. You ever had fellowship interrupted with your mate? Now, some of y'all have been married two weeks. Y'all probably had not had a fight yet. But I want to tell you something. Most people disagreed where to eat on their honeymoon. Praise God. I heard one family had a knockdown drag out and one of them left during the honeymoon. That's bad. It didn't last three days. But they got back together, praise God. But I'm going to tell you something. The character of God is found in verse 5. The character of God is found in verse 5. Go ahead. Go to the next one, brother. Keep on trucking a little bit. The walk that's severed. Uh, we have fellowship with the Lord through the Holy Spirit, John 14. I won't go back to that. But um, the character of God is light. Look at verse 5. And then is the message which we've heard of him declaring to you that God is light. Now folks, light always speaks of holiness. I just want to say this. God is sinless. God is holy. And there ain't no way, pardon the expression, that darkness can fellowship with light. So we have a problem because we're full of dark. We're full of, we're full of sin. And, and the Bible says the conduct of man is found in verse 6. We say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness. We lie and do not the truth. So we got the character of God, holiness, but we got the conduct of man, sin. And in verse 6, here's the message for tonight. If we say, if we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. I want you to just conclude last week's message by this last slide, Brother, Brother Cody. Walking in the light is sustained by holiness. Now, I'm a Baptist, but I, I preach holiness. Because holiness means godliness. And godliness means godlikeness. And so walking in the light sustains our fellowship. What's that mean? You need to have a clean fellowship with God. We need to keep current on our confessions. And I'm not talking about some confession to somebody else or a statue or to a person. Because don't confess to me. Don't come no booth because we ain't got one. Amen? We ain't got a telephone booth. You ever thought about that? There ain't no more telephone booths. Brother Stephen Baker used to have a track ministry, the phone booths. That was his ministry. He'd go to every phone booth and put a track in there. And uh, cell phones put him out of business. But anyway... Uh, and if he dropped a cell, if he dropped a tract on every cell phone, he'd never get enough of them. Amen. 
Well, I wish I'd invested in that 30 years ago. But listen, we enjoyed a close and conscious fellowship with the Lord when we're honest with God. Now let's go to the next sermon, uh, brother. I just want to make sure I didn't leave that untouched. I want to show you the message tonight, if we, if we. You know, I believe in the sovereignty of God, and I believe that God calls us to be saved, but there's a responsibility to believe and respond. Now, the Calvinists don't believe there's any responsibility. You're predestined foreordained to go to hell, and some of you predestined foreordained to go to heaven. And I think that's a cruel reform theology up the, up the road here. I believe it's cruel theology down the road right here to think that you can ever think that God would not love someone enough to save them. Folks, if you don't get saved, it's not God's fault. It's your fault. For God so loved the world, amen, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believed Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The world's you and the world's me. Amen. He loves the whole world. But I want you to see this. Refusing to acknowledge the consequences of sin. Look at it, brother. Go ahead. In verse 6, if we say. Three times this word, if we say, is mentioned. And I want to tell you something. Each time it has a significance. It's mentioned seven times in this, um, in this uh, uh, book. If we say, verse 6, verse 8, verse 10. Uh, verse 7, it says, if we walk, and then in verse 9 it says, if we confess. So I want you to emphasize the word, if we. Why don't you be real person and say, if you. And for, first of all, we need to realize that, folks, uh, we need to look at this phrase, if we say, in verse 8, and then verse 10. And I want you to see, first of all, this first if we say is refusing to acknowledge the consequence of sin. Look at verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. And do not the truth. Folks, listen, I want to, I want to say this real quickly. There's no little sin. Well, it's just a little white lie. Where in the world did we get that terminology? Well, it was just a little sin. You know, I, just, I didn't kill him. I just hated him. You know, I just slapped him real good. I worked him over. I could have killed him, so it was just little sin. It might not have been little to his nose, say amen. But I want to say this. Folks, there is no little sin. Because every sin, every sin keeps you out of the light. And if you're not in the light, then you're not walking with God. So you're walking by yourself, and you're out of the will of God. And folks, you're subject to the chastening of God. And I want to tell you something, you're a stumbling block because you're walking in darkness, and somebody could go to hell because you're walking in darkness. To someone, you're the best Christian they know. And folks, the only way you can be a good Christian is walk with Jesus. You're not good enough to reach anybody. And so we excuse our sin, we ignore our sin, and we rationalize our sin. But folks, this case, we need to realize that no fellowship with God if we have sin in our life. So therefore, we're walking in darkness. If we claim that we have rejected the consequence of sin. I had a father call me while I was 
out of town in that preacher's conference, and I appreciate y'all sending me. I need to be fed too, and I need preaching too. And I've, I, 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 I heard so much preaching uh, that I was, I was numb from the waist down. I mean, it was a lot hours of preaching. They're going to have to cut it short next year. Or we'll have standing room only or something. But I want to tell you something. I needed it. I needed to be fed. I need to be rebuked. I need to be preached to. Because we give it out, but sometimes we don't have it come in, you know. And I, I try to listen to preaching all the time. But I want to tell you something, friend. If you got sin in your life, you can't hear. If you got sin in your life, you can't worship. If you got sin in your life, you're in darkness and you can't see. You can't see this world through God's eyes. That's why it's, 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 it's really, 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 really important that you deal with sin the moment it comes in your heart. But this, dad, this daddy, he's a preacher, called me up weeping and said, I appreciate you counseling my daughter, but he's filed for divorce today. He's changed all the locks. He's threatened us and threatened her. And he started weeping. He says, kid, you got anything you can say to my wife? I said, what do you mean, brother? He says, she is, she's not handling it. We prayed in faith. We thought God was going to change his heart. And I just said, well, all I can say is that there's a consequences of sin and that sin will take your son-in-law a lot lower than he ever thought it would. And the man that taught all the youth and the man that laid on the altar every Sunday walked out on his wife. And here's a broken-hearted daddy. I had a call right before the church. I couldn't understand who was on the phone. There was so much weeping because of the sin of a daughter. And I, I'll, every time I hang up the phone from a call like that, I think of that saying that sin will take you lower than you ever thought it would. It'll keep you longer, and it'll hurt you and everybody else more than you ever dreamt. Folks, sin should be exceedingly sinful. If you don't get anything out of this message tonight, get this. There is no little sin. The sin of omission leads to the sin of commission. Well, I just didn't have time to read my Bible this week. That's sin. If it's not a faith, that is sin. I didn't have time to believe God. I didn't have time to pray. If you got sin in your life, you wasn't praying anyway because he can't even hear you. Psalm 66, 18. So I'm not trying to be mean tonight. I don't have the voice to be upbeat, but I'll tell you this, friend. There is no sin that you ought to rationalize. There is no sin that you ought to excuse. And definitely, there is no sin that you should ignore. Because I'm telling you, you're walking in the darkness. Number two, the second, if we say, we refuse to accept the condition of sin. Look at verse six. It says, we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness. We lie and do not the truth. Now, folks, listen. Some people, um, they don't realize that they have a sinful nature. By nature, you're a sinner. Who is your great-grandparents? It sure wasn't Bozo and Bamboo and Sambo down at the Grant Park Zoo or the Chattanooga Zoo where all our kids are going to go in a few weeks because they came to Sunday school so many times in a row from Master Club. That's good. 
No, your great grandparents. I saw I saw the tombstone of mine yesterday, but if you're going back further, my great grandparents, Adam and Eve. And I want you to turn to Romans chapter five, verse twelve, and you need to, you need to recognize this, and you need to realize it. And I'll close real quick, but I want you to see this: Romans chapter five, verse twelve. The Bible says, "Wherefore is by one man?" I'll wait on you. Romans five twelve. It says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed among all men, for all have sinned. This shows you the root of sin. This shows you the origin of sin. This shows you that you are a sinful person by nature. Your great-grandparents was Adam. Therefore, you have an Adamic nature. Say amen. Or you have an Eve nature if you're a lady. And I want to tell you something, friend, that nature happens to be a sinner. You have a sin nature. Romans 3.23, look at it real quick. Romans 3.23, you all all know it because it's the first verse you use in leading people to the Lord usually. Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, I've talked to people that would admit they were a sinner and they didn't think they were a sinner. The word deceive this should have been put over their door because they said, well, I'm not that bad. One person looked at me one time and I said, hey, uh, let me show you how to be saved. And I, I read, all of sin and come short of the glory of God. He said, that's not me, preacher. I ain't sinned. I'm not a sinner. I wanted to say, you're lying right now through your teeth, but I didn't. Amen, I was trying to be kind. I said, well, let me call your wife out here. I, I, I think I could get some testimony. I wanted to do it so bad, but I was, I was an unannounced guest, so I didn't do it. But I want to tell you something, friend. If I testified, if I had that wife give testimony, I guarantee he's lost his temper in the last 24 hours. I bet he's been selfish in the last five hours. Hey, friend, he probably lied in the last two minutes. But I want to tell you something. We, by nature, are sinners. Now, I don't think it ought to be a, a, a sinful disposition, but we ought to realize by nature and by essence, we refuse to accept the condition of sin. We were born sinners. So, if we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. In other words, I hadn't sinned. Never have sinned. I'm just a good person. But I'll tell you what, no matter how good you are, you're not good enough. Look at verse, look at verse uh, uh, 10. We refuse to admit the committing of sin. Look at verse 10. The Bible says this. If we say that we have not, there's that third if we say, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and the word is not in us. Verse 10 says, uh, I haven't committed sin. And uh, folks, listen, you might be guilty of lying to somebody else. and Then you might be guilty of lying to yourself. Like the second person, you deceive your even self, thinking you're okay. But folks, it's a very serious thing to call God a liar. A very serious thing. And I want to say this in closing, is that God, <clears throat> to call God a liar, is a serious accusation. And you know something? God said over and over again, you sin. <clears throat> Look at verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. That's bad to deceive yourself. But then it says in this fourth say, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And His Word is not in us. And folks, 
Let me close by saying this, and I want to say it real clearly, is that no matter what you say, God's Word's right. God's Word's right. And God wor- God's Word says you have sinned. And God's Word says you will sin. And God said, hey, I'm the only way to forgive you of your sins. Amen? It's the blood of Jesus. It's the Spirit of God that we walk in the light. But God is not so hard-pressed to walk with sin. He's not going to walk with darkness. He wants you to walk in the light as He's in the light. Have fellowship one with another because the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. That's verse 7. But let me just close this sermon. I want you to see it. John tells us that He's light. And He's holy. And folks, the Bible says, but we need to walk in light. The word walk is in the continual tense. We need to keep on walking. We need to have a clean, a continual walk. We need to have a clean walk. And what happens? Number one, we're on speaking terms with God. Your prayers will be answered. Hey, the Bible says have faith in God, but then it says in verse 25 of Mark chapter 11, if you have an all against your brother... He won't hear you. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, the great sermon on the mount, if you, have a, if you realize somebody's got an alt against you, before you go to the altar or before you give sacrifice or before you try to get real religious, make it right with your brother. Amen. And so we walk in the light. It's a continual walk. It's a clean walk. But we're on speaking terms. And then last but not least, oh, the Bible says in Psalm 66, 18, if you guard iniquity in your heart, he won't hear you. That's why no sin is little. Because it cuts you off from having your prayers answered. You don't know how much you need to pray for your children. You don't know how much you need to pray for those grandchildren that's breaking your heart, Miss Nancy. And you know something? She can't pray if she has sin in her life. And folks, we will all sin, but God gives us a way to have our sins cleansed. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, this is written to Christians. Not lost people. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right in the middle of all this darkness and walking in darkness, He says, you can get back in the light. You can fall, but you can get back up. And you will fall, so you better get back up as quick as possible. Because He's walking on. And you're down in the gutter of sin. He's walking on. And the devil is taking you lower than you ever thought He'd take you. He's a perverter. He's a diverter. He detours us. But I want to tell you something. He destroys us. Satan destroys us. He devours us like a roaring lion. And so I want to tell you this. You have no defense against him except walking with God. There's no way you can battle Satan in the flesh. You've got to walk with God. And the only way to walk with God is give short accounts with your sins. Confess your sin every moment, every day. Walk with God. And last but not least, not only do you have speaking terms, you'll have serving terms. You know, the Bible says this, and I'll just quote it, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, that we're co-laborers with God. I want to tell you something, folks. I love to walk with God when it comes to serving God. I'd already burned out. I'd already copped out, wiped out, I'd already blew out if it hadn't been walking with God. Because I can't take the stress of the ministry. I can't take the 
You just don't know what it's like to preach three times a week and prepare and, and, then, and then counsel for hours. It, it takes it out of you. But I want to tell you something. When you're in the Spirit, it's refreshing. It's exciting. I had a great counsel session right before I left from a trip. And I said, praise God, I'm glad I had that one. She said, why? I was getting worried about you. I said, my wife, I said, I was worried about you. I said, I said, no, there ain't nobody leaving the church. Don't fret. There ain't nobody mad at me. Don't fret. You know, she's always thinking, oh, boy, who else is it? And she's trying to protect me. I said, no, it was great. God worked. God gave assurance. God gave a challenge. God helped me. <laughs> God helped me. And I'll tell you what the greatest help is all, that God spoke, that God ministered, that God encouraged. And so, friend, listen, we don't serve God by ourselves in our own flesh. But if we walk in the darkness and we show up at a counseling session or a preaching session or a prayer meeting or a hospital emergency room like I had to go to Saturday morning, we're on our own. We'll probably mess up. And we'll probably be defeated. Because the devil will get, get us right where we want. Wants him, walking in the dark. So I'm going to say this, friend. You think your little sin's just between you and your wife, the way you treat her? You think your sin's just between you and your children, the way you neglect them? You're walking on your own. You're talking to yourself when you pray. And you're serving by yourself in the flesh. I don't want that. I can't handle that. I'd already quit. I'd already said I've got to get out of the ministry. I'd already be so depressed. I'd need a psychiatrist. One of the best preachers Probably I've ever heard pastor church about one mile from here. I said, is he still at Olivia? My good friend that used to be there and got hurt over at Canaan Land? No. Well, where's he pastoring? Driving a truck. Out of the ministry. No longer preaching. One of the greatest young preachers I ever heard. Because he tried to handle it in his own strength. I mean, he grew up shouting. He grew up, what a preacher. And now he's out of the ministry. And you won't even think about it. I'll tell you what, brother and sister. The devil wants you to either confess or he wants you to recant. The Lord wants you to confess and the devil wants you to be obsessed. Walk in the light as he's in the light. Have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. So folks, when we walk, there's a confession, there's a confrontation of sin. There's a confrontation of sin. Go ahead, brother. There's a confession of sin. And there's a cleansing of sin. All unrighteousness. I think one of the greatest feelings, if you're looking for a feeling in the Christian life, is when God cleanses you.
Have you ever worked all day? Don't raise your hand. Have you ever put in eight, ten hours? I mean dirty. Maybe you was digging a ditch. And you got home. First thing you want to do is get a drink of water. But the second thing you want to do is sit on that couch and your wife wouldn't let you sit down. You ain't sitting on my furniture. I said, okay, honey. What should I do? She says, go to the shower. And man, I go to the shower. Some of y'all know, y'all got husbands that really work. And boy, I'll tell you what, there's a clean and refreshing feeling to be clean. Y'all ought to try it once a week. Praise God, it's wonderful. <laughs> to be clean. And that's physical. But I want to tell you something, friend. When you say, dear God, I got bitterness in my heart. I got a lack of faith in my heart. Lord, let this guy get under my skin. And you can't, you can't help but let people get on your skin. But I want to tell you something. You don't have to let them get in your heart. And you just confess it. And say, Lord, please forgive me. The moment you say that, the seraphims from heaven come down with the cleansing power of the blood and wash that sin away. You don't get saved again. You just got back in the light. It's the most refreshing, wonderful state of being there is because you're walking in the light and sees in the light and you have fellowship one with another. Fellowship. If we say, if we say, if we say, forget all the saying, and search your heart and say it to God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I mean, say, preacher, I needed the message tonight. There's some things in my life that I know is just not right. And I've been sort of shucking it off, and I'm saying, well, it's not as bad as some people I know. I'm not in prison. I'm not waiting a life sentence like this boy that we prayed for. So I'm not as bad as they are. You see tonight the darkness of sin. You see the consequence of sin. That it cuts you off from the fellowship of God and you're no longer walking with God in the light. What you ought to do is take that darkness and put it under the light of God's holiness and realize that you can't measure up but that Jesus' blood is enough to cleanse you from all unrighteousness and confess it.